This is JFM Podcast. Good morning to you and thank you for staying with J101.9 FM. It is 9 a.m. and today is Tuesday. It is the 16th of November 2021. I am your anchor, Zoe Machunga. This is the program Let's Talk and it is the flagship program on the morning belt, the morning J. With that being said, um, we look at issues of security this morning. Distressing news, low point for us, and perhaps high point for uh, insurgents, for terrorists. Uh, now we are hearing of machineries being involved, Libyan machineries. Uh, this is a war and things will happen. Uh, they say wearing the uniform is more or less signing your death warrant. And it's really sad to pay a very expensive price like this. Now, uh, he was leading in front, uh, Brigadier General uh, Zurkusu Zarma. And uh, that is uh, more questions have come up about the Northeast conflict as Nigerian army continues to lose officers. Uh, the death of the Commander 28 Task Force Battalion in Chibok Town of Borno State. Uh, Chibok has been in the news and we would say for many negative reasons. I mean, he was killed in Chibok and we still have our girls out there. Uh, many are asking how well equipped are our men. Uh, they were going for reinforcement. Nigerian army has been ambushed severally. How we learned our lessons, how we learn countermeasures, do we have good intelligence? And, um, well, the, this report, of course, observes that the late General Zarma Zirukusu was perhaps the highest-ranking military officer killed in a battle since the, insur- the insurgency began in 2009. And it was also learned that for a long while, people around Chibok area have been complaining about the road between Chibok and Askira town. They had raised the alarm over the danger they see on daily basis. The late commander was said to have been informed by the locals following the attacks in the past. Now, according to many informed residents, there are villages around Chibok and Damboa, local government areas, housing insurgents, operating and terrorizing the area. Now, some of these villages mentioned include Kwarangulum in Yirmirshika in Damboa local government area, Dambula, Yansira in Chibok local government area. Now, these villages uh, are dangerous. Uh, people have said that they have been involved in attacking other v- villages around Chibok, Askira, and Damboa in southern Borno. Others have claimed that some abducted people who escaped from the insurgent dens alleged uh, that they were kept in custody in some of these villages. Uh, people have complained, but nothing has been done. Attacks uh, were being carried out on almost a daily basis, but it was underreported because no big person was involved. Well, we say uh, may the soul uh, of those slain who have paid the ultimate price continue to rest in peace. And um, this morning, I have with me in the studio a uh, very important guest, security experts, global researchers. Uh, let me introduce Ambassador Melvin Eje. He's a security expert. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, 
Yeah, and I remember, I know that uh, security issue, of course, you are a security expert, but I know you've had your own losses too. Uh, I remember the last time uh, in Benway States when I called you, uh, you were burying, you were right there even uh, burying uh, some of the people that you had lost. And also, uh, welcome Mualimu Dean, a political scientist and international relations expert. Uh, thank you very much, uh, listeners. Good morning. All right, and uh, I want to say uh, to uh, Platurians, uh, we also lost Major Luca Barde. Unfortunately, he was among the slain soldiers in the recent attack that also took the life of Brigadier General Zarma Zirkusu. Uh, he is survived by uh, his wife, Francisca Barde, daughter and a son, aged parents and many relations, and the people of Zandi in Joss East, where he hails from, are in deep pains, and we're praying that uh, God comforts their Fizere nation over over the huge loss and of course the plateau people all right let's uh, head into the matter while we wait for uh, our last guest um probably most likely still on his way uh, to come give us his own uh, information and his own perspectives too. That is Cesar J. Pai. He's a researcher in governance and global affairs. Now, uh, let's start with you, uh, Mr. Dean. Uh, you are, you are uh, an expert, uh, researcher also, a political scientist and international relations expert. I mean, even just this morning uh, in the headlines, Niger State's governor is crying out. Uh, he's saying that his home state is also uh, being invaded at uh, this time. And uh, we've also seen the federal government just some few days ago uh, come out, uh, you know, where government blasts a U.S. NGO over terrorism sponsorship. The federal government has slammed a U.S.-based nonprofit organization, Global Advocates for Terrorism Eradication Gate, for alleging that the present administration under President Muhammad Buhari is a sponsor of terrorism in the country. Uh, the Niger state government has also raised the alarm over the activities of Boko Haram terrorists in at least five communities in Rafi and Shiroto local government areas of the state. Now, uh, many times uh, when, when journalists come out to talk about issues like this, uh, they say we're inflaming uh, the polity, but then... If we look at it, uh, Askira, uh, many were reported to have fled to the mountains. Uh, you know, what can we do? This is affecting agriculture. Food prices are going up. We have about 27,000 IDPs. You know, what can we do? And we're also hearing that um, uh, uh, a significant threat also is the Libyan mercenaries who are assisting ESWAP. Uh, it's, of course, not the Libyan government, uh, you know, who sent them. So soldiers of fortune mercenaries, are they, are they, are they from uh, different security companies? who is backing ISWAP, what is their capability, uh, who are the insurgents also backed by. All of these issues and more, it's a topic of the moment. Um, so um, at this point also, the Minister of Defense has come out to say that uh, food insecurity is a bigger issue than insurgency or terrorism. So what is your take on this, starting with you, Ambassador Melvis, uh, Melvin Eje? <sighs> Good morning, Plateau. Good morning, Nigerians. Let me start by condoling the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, the Chief of Army Staff, Lieutenant General Farouk Yaya, for the overall loss of the two very senior officers, Brigadier General Zarma Zilkusu and Major Luka Bardi, and the other fallen heroes who died while keeping our country safe. This is very unfortunate and uh, devastating. My heart goes to the family and everybody concerned over the death of these two patriotic this three patriotic Nigerians who lost their lives. Well, 
food insecurity is eminent because of the current trend of insecurity in this country. It's actually eminent. I fear for next year, as a matter of fact. If you see all through the agrarian communities, farmers no longer go to farms. Even though it's getting better, starting from uh, April this year, things are really getting better. They are? Yes, they are. I've been on ground. The indices are going down. The threats are going down. But we are not where we hope to be. But we have left where we used to be. But the previous experience have affected farmers that affected every agricultural production in Nigeria. And I fear for Nigeria next year. So federal government needs to be deliberate about food security. They need to provide alternative measures on how to feed Nigerians. For me, that's my take for now. All right. Let's hear from you, Mr. Dean. Uh, good morning once more. Uh, regarding the current uh, state of insecurity grappling our country today, uh, I tend to also agree with what uh, the first uh, speaker said concerning uh, the threat it has on food security because uh, if individuals individuals are unable to farm uh, people are scared of going to the farm people are scared you know to carry out their you know activities that sustains their living uh, it's a problem and we are currently facing it because the prices of commodities are skyrocketing daily and if there is no deliberate measure taken by the government in order to address this, uh, we, will be, we will be comparing ourselves with countries like, you know, uh, Somalia that are also battling this, uh, the consequences of uh, long-standing uh, insurgency and terrorism. So the government needs to rise to its own responsibility and guarantee uh, that it uh, protects its citizens, uh, creates the platform for every farmer to go back and farm. Uh, because we don't have, the poor man doesn't have anything rather than uh, his food. So I believe the government needs to actually wake up to its responsibility and respond uh, on how to address this uh, threat that uh, is gradually becoming existential to us. All right, thank you, Mr. Dean, and thank you for joining us, Mr. Caesar Pai. Okay, now um, let's look again at uh, another issue here. Uh, we have seen just recently uh, the government has said uh, they are doing the best they can. We saw the 60 armored vehicles that were purchased to help curb the fight on insecurity. But the question still is, is it lack of armored vehicle? Is that the reason why it seems Nigeria uh, is still uh, facing this war? Uh, what should we expect now that these vehicles have been brought in? Is it a game changer? We've also heard of the Tokano. Uh, is, it, is it active? Is it being used? What, what, what difference would this make? because, I mean, we still just lost the Brigadier General. That is a very high-ranking officer anywhere, I believe, in the world. If we were to lose an officer like this, it would have people asking questions, Mr. Caesar. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Aaron. So, uh, it's been a long time. Uh, first and foremost, looking at the military establishment in Nigeria, uh, we'll have to look at these things from two different approaches. First, The first approach is the issue of manpower. Is all all different from when you talk about equipment. You know, manpower is different, equipment is different. So when you look at now, yes, we have the equipments on ground, the equipments are being brought into the country, some are still on the way. 
And so part of what has been attributed to the losses we've encountered in the battlefield has to do with the issue of uh, equipment. However, we also have to look at the issue of manpower still. Uh, I, I must commend the Nigerian military for what happened, in a, a, even in spite of uh, what happened to the Brigadier General and members of uh, some of the military that were killed uh, on Saturday in that uh, battle. You know, but you see, already they were in the heat of the battle, and that was when tragedy struck. However, the military responded swiftly, and they were able to counter what happened. And I think that has to do with strategy too. It takes me to the number, the third point. So now we have equipment, we have manpower, then we have the issue of strategy. How do you, because for the first time for me, recently I've seen the military being proactive. You know, we can't continue to be on the defensive. So are you saying previously they weren't as proactive as they are right now in your observation? Yes, and the reason is that it still boils down to the issue of manpower because we have a, la a large chunk of ungoverned space in the country, you know, where the manpower is not enough to cover some of these ungoverned spaces. And so by the time you look at, now it depends on our approach again to it. The approach is that we need, we need to have a short-term approach, a medium-term approach, and a long-term approach to these things. And so when you have a, man, a manpower that is always on standby, recently we, 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 I was involved in a team that uh, tried to review the uh, national defense policy of the country. And honestly, we found out that, you know, even in the defense policy, we found out that there are lapses where there's expected to be a large number of reserve for the military. Now, we don't have that reserve. We can't, we, we, I can't assure you that our military have that number of reserve where, in the case where we have an uh, overstretched manpower, we have a reserve that is always willing to take over. So by the time we have that, I think it will help cope some of this situation, and that is why it, it boils down to the issue of strategy. Mm. Well, it's still the topic of the moment. Uh, Brigadier General Zarma fell. There are people who would say, I mean, you don't find generals in the theater of war, uh, Ambassador Melvin. Uh, what's your read on this event, uh, you know, that a, ge a Brigadier General was shut down? It's, many, it's bringing a, a, a feeling of despondency among people that such a high-ranking officer, you know, could be lost in the theater of war. And then, uh, like uh, we have seen, the story is that... Um, he was warned Chibok is dangerous. It's, it's a place that is not safe. And so this now leads us to, you know, intelligence gathering. Have we learned our lessons? Uh, how are we faring? Are we really winning this war? Lai Mohammed has come out several to say we're winning the war against insurgency. Okay, let me first and foremost completely align myself with the thought of my brother there who spoke about manpower. It's one of the bane of security in this country, manpower and uh, for people who said a brigadier general should not be at war from the actually completely ignorance. Mm. Every sector command in the north is manned by a brigadier general, sometimes major general. There are sectors in the north that are manned by major generals. Who should command the war if a brigadier general is not in the war front? A general should command some certain troops in the theater or in the war battle. So it's actually out of ignorance. He was doing his duty and was called to service by God Almighty who, brought, who gave him life actually. Now, let me go to the issue of uh, the equipment. Uh, before 2015, we must admit this fact. I may not be a Buhari fan, but we must admit this fact that President Buhari took over a disgruntled army, an army that is in disarray, an army that is ill-equipped, an army that is underfunded, an army that is, was not ready for war. 
an army that was not ready for war. That was the kind of army Buhari took over. And it this thing needs a gradual process for us to get to where we are now. We have since left where we used to be in this fight against insurgents. If you see, watch carefully what is happening in the Northeast, these guys are actually da- degraded. They are now operating in guerrilla warfare. What they have now is guerrilla attacks. They don't have such community attacks like they used to have. If you know the, how wide Sambisa Forest is, I'm doing a program currently that is uh, a troop support program. I intend to carry over 100 journalists to the Northeast. I'm going to go with you guys to see how deep this Northeast terrain is. By the time most journalists come back, we'll not appreciate what these guys are doing. They are overstretched. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the equipment. It is just only recently that the president is investing in equipment. He met an army that was not ready for war. Mm. I can say this anywhere. So I think the battle is going down by the day. The two ringleaders of this Boko of the Iswap, are not alive. You will never see a Bakashikau anywhere in the world again. You can never see uh, this Iswap boy, Bana Albanawi, anywhere in the world anymore. And there are several commanders that have been killed. They no longer have a standing camp, even in Northern Borno. They do hit and run now. But many are saying that uh, they also have evolved over time. We cannot, um, the way Boko Haram started earlier, I mean, they were called ragtag. We can't give them that anymore because we see them. uh, We saw just uh, in Zamfara where they took over an APC and an armored carrier. Uh, They are able to operate these vehicles. They are able to operate these machines. So uh, it looks like they are evolving more than not. Yeah, I think it's the challenges. They, like, like, and they are also um, partnering with other terrorist organizations, ISWAP, ISIS. You know, so they are getting more sophisticated. It looks like they're getting more training. You can't, you can't rule that out because there are actually international, uh, so international uh, conspirators who want to bring Nigeria down. You can't really rule out that. And that is what is happening, as you can see. But I want to tell you that Nigeria is winning the war. The Nigerian army is winning the war. The president is winning the war, and we'll get to where we used to. Be. All right, Mr. Dean, are we winning this war? As Lai Mohammed has come out to say severally. Uh, I think it also depends on context, because uh, for someone who is in government, he will tell you that uh, we are actually winning the war. But for someone who is watching the trends of events and how the Boko Haram and the other faction I swap, they've been able to... Okay, you can say uh, Abubakar Shekau is dead and Abanawi is also dead because they don't have any, you know, formal leader that people will actually, you know, uh, align the group with. But uh, studies have actually shown that, you know, killing the leader of a terrorist organization does not stop it from evolving. And in fact, they become more lethal and deadly. Mm. Because when you look at uh, Ahmed Godani, Al-Shabaab leader that was killed, but the organization, you know, became more deadly. When you look at ISIS, when you look at all those global terrorist networks, so uh, in as much as the government is trying to also address uh, this insurgency, we should not uh, rely on the fact that uh, Abubakar Shekau is no more, Al-Banawi is no more, Uh, we are going to relax. The, the, The army should take the war to them and they should not relent. And despite the organization resorting to other non-conventional ways of attack, uh, where, which is also alien to the military because they are not used to the guerrilla, guerrilla warfare. So we need to also uh, change strategy and tact if we are to be able to actually, uh, you know, 
address this uh, uh, constant attack by Boko Haram. So I think uh, we, the, the group has been degraded, but winning the war is subject to interpretation. Mm, yeah. Subject to interpretation. Okay, Caesar Pai, it looks like you want to throw in something. <laughs> yes, you see, he talked about uh, context, and I want to see it from this context. What is that? Let's, in fact, in the first place, let's define the kind of attacks that is happening in the Northeast and the kind of attacks that we're experiencing in the Northwest. Yeah. We need mm. to define it and yeah. bring it into proper context. Truly, to be fair, what is happening in the Northeast, government is winning the war. Yeah. But what is happening in the Northwest, and that is why groups upon groups, even governors have called that these people should be designated because their activities are tantamount to terrorism. When you look at the global definition, whatever definition of terrorism you want to do, see, it depicts the, the idea of harming uh, people that are defenseless. Now, but however, the thing where you will separate the two is that in the Northwest, we have, what we, we have these issues of kidnappings, for ransom and they're getting serious money from that they are really really invest they are really really is it has become a business venture the way you you know you, you describe how thing uh, just like the way people have been trafficked across and stuff so the issue idea of kidnapping and banditry has become something that is in, increasing day by day so except government is able to come come out on its own and contextualize this thing honestly it will give it a headway to say okay in the northeast this is the pattern of how it's going on they, they may have similarities when you look at the when it comes to issues of killings and attacks what do you but say to people who feel like yes. um, bandits are boko haram metamorphosed into something else they are operating differently but they are the same people yeah now 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 you see normally uh, uh, the issue of uh, transborder crime is like that transborder crime these people meet with each other yeah they have different uh, ideologies. ideologies they have different it's just like uh, in history we talk about we talk we, we always talk about intergroup relations where intergroup relations different tribes meet different people from different countries meet they carry out trade exchange of goods and services, services. takes place People that so this one's exchanged criminal them. ideas and maybe yes, weapons. Yes, yes. yes. So uh, except the, the, the our 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 both our national security establishment and foreign policy establishment will come out and come out and come up with a definite uh, context on how they will address and it will help the country a lot. So way. why do you think the government is yet to uh, designate bandits as terrorists? Honestly, what see, could be stopping the government? The problem, the problem is that uh, we, 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 uh, one of the things I want to observe here is that we have delays in policy implementation, formulation and implementation. Uh, you, it will interest you to know that uh, it was just in 2017 that uh, our national defense policy was reviewed. And as of 2018, government was thinking of setting up a committee to implement it. Yeah. So, and we're in 2021 now. So you now see that, how will it take them? That's number one. Number two, we don't have a timeline. Each time we formulate policies. Now we have a national security strategy that was also launched in 2019-2020. Now, when you look at these strategies, following them, because I, I've, I've gone through a lot of these security policies. Just recently, this year, early this year, February, there was a national cyber security policy. But when you look at the gaps that are always in this world, is that there is no timeline to say, okay, how, okay, we have this policy. How do we pursue it to the latter? How do we pursue it? Okay, we need to have a first stage where we pursue it. 
second stage, third stage, and give you the timeline. What are our priorities in pursuing these policies? And that is why, again, you will have such delays in designating these people because we have not here we are formulating a policy that we've not even finished studying it to start implementation. Then it, we still have emerging problems coming up where ordinarily you are, you are supposed to give yourself a timeline and say, okay, at the end of this policy, in the next one year or in the next two years, let's begin to see how we work. That at, at the, as at the time this policy is expiring, we are in a new policy, so that it will always align with the evolving security Situation. trends. Yeah. Let mm. it go hand So do hand. you know of any country that has faced what Nigeria is facing and actually won? Yes, Sri Lanka. When you go to Sri Lanka, you have such issues like that. Even Egypt. Yeah. Egypt, when you look at their, they have fantastic counter-terrorism policies. And so when you look at it, we, we studied it, you see, like I said again, it's the political will, again. We, we have lofty policies and ideas in this country, truly, and we've even borrowed. In fact, even the security summit that the, that the House of Reps organized some few months ago, where the House of Speaker and the House of Reps are members of the security committee, there was a security summit and that report is out. And they even itemized, they su they've submitted it to the presidency. And they, 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 they took the model of about five countries to be able to inculcate in that policy by the National Assembly, led yeah. by the Speaker and the Foreign Affairs Committee and the National Security and Intelligence Committee. Very fantastic report. I have that document too. Very fantastic. But now we don't know whether implementation, it, it, implementation and, is yeah. always a problem. So it boils down to the political will. It's just still, yeah, the political will and then of course uh, one of the reasons why the president was voted in was because of his military background and you, one would, if you, if you throw in political will into this, one would ask, is this not serious enough, especially with someone who has a military you background? See, you see, you can't, somehow the president will let, we, we can't, the president cannot be everywhere, but that is why he has in fact, we now, with the re renewal of the national security strategy now, led by the Office of the National Security Advisor, you have so, some sub-components that relies on the national security, like the national defense policy, the national cyber security policy, the national counterterrorism strategy, NACTEST, all these are all embedded. So if you have people that are manning these positions, if they are not, get reports. You need to give them what we call a review, carry out a review. That's what happened during the, the era of the Obasanjo, where he gives them a review. He carries out a review every monthly, monthly review or quarterly review. What is the latest in your ministry? What is the latest in your agency? If you are not delivering as the head of that agency, you are booted out. You are booted out. So it keeps you on top of your game. It keeps you on top of your game. Okay, now um, a former presidential aspirant, Adam Mugarba, has asked uh, the president, the Buhari government, to dialogue with Boko Haram, with IPOL, with bandits, and fix the various internal differences and disagreements in the nation, rather than offensively attacking. Uh, we've also seen Sheikh Gumi come out several times uh, to say that uh, these people are criminals because of the circumstances they are in. So how, how do you handle sympathizers within uh, the civil populace or within uh, security agencies? Uh, because it makes it more complex, uh, Mr. Dean. And you've, you've, you've just wrote something lately that had to do with uh, faith-based organizations and the role that they can also play. Talk to us about that. Okay. Uh, because when it comes to sympathy, I mean, there are some in the government, even many would agree. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I mean, what do you begin to do with that? We've seen Sheikh Gumi many times taking pictures, taking selfies with these people. So it's not like we don't know where they are. Yeah. Uh, actually, negotiating with uh, these bandits or terrorists has been 
an ongoing debate within academia, policy uh, think tank as well. Uh, some will tell you that these people, they, 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 you should not actually negotiate with them. But critical terrorism scholars will tell you these are human beings. These are people with sympathies. Uh, they have emotions as well. So whatever they are doing, they have a justification for that. So uh, ambushing them or using you know, force will actually not uh, solve the problem. But look for other smart power or soft power approach, uh, such as negotiations, such as you know, uh, using like faith-based organizations, religious leaders, uh, Which civil, so- is? Yeah, so- so civil society organizations. To, because basically terrorism, insurgency uh, has religion on the tone. Uh, it is the battle of ideas, ideology. You need to also counter this negative, you know, uh, doctrinal narratives by some of these rogue uh, clerics that tend to, you know, instrumentalize and use religion for their own selfish uh, need. So most times, you know, when when you look at the Abrahamic religion, Christianity and Muslim and, and Islam, sorry, uh, we tend to give so much reference to us spiritual leaders. Whatever they say, you know, some people accept it as hook, line, and sinker. They don't need to. So some of these rogue clerics tend to, you know, negatively instrumentalize religion in order to, you know, keep on, you know, perpetrating this uh, radical ideology on the people. So uh, using force We've tried that for over a decade. Uh, it seems not to be working. So some people are now saying, okay, why not resort to other alternative measures, which is the smart power or the soft power where you could appeal to the hearts and minds. So that's why we've seen, and religious organizations, they have tried uh, organizing symposium, you know, engaging in various, you know, de-radicalization programs. Even uh, when you look at the Northeast, we've seen uh, they have introduced peace studies uh, in primary and secondary schools as part of their curriculum to also you know, teach these young minds on how to be able to you know, do away with some of these negative and radical or extremist uh, ideologies. So attacking uh, that through that approach will also, uh, also help in you know, solving the problem. Uh, because when you continue using brute force, the soldiers, by their training, their mindset, they are not, u- they are not used to negotiating with people. So I think um, negotiating... Brute, brute force is what they are used to. That's giving them exactly what they are used to. But negotiations is the opposite for them. Yeah, yeah. But mm. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to use the word negotiation because uh, attacking those radical doctrinal elements... Uh, is the best way to to actually look at that smart power approach rather than you know negotiating with them because what happens to the people to the victims of these terror attacks uh, how will you actually integrate them back into the society because even the current operation safe corridor is being riddled with so much controversy around it because people tend to question uh, how it is being managed uh, how do you create a post, you know, radicalization program as well for Mm. this repentant uh, insurgents. So uh, we need to also look at some of these issues as well. Ambassador Melvin, would you agree with the dialogue, the kinetic, non-kinetic, as we hear these terms being thrown about lately? I think there's a difference between non-kinetic approach to this world Mm. and dialogue. Mm. 
they are they have a little similarity, but they are different. Uh, so I, for me, I think we are past the era of negotiation of dialogue with this Boko Haram. Mm. Because if we must do that, we should do that from the point of strength. We should do that from the point of strength. While I agree, my brother here that this Boko Haram is an ideology, and it will be difficult to be fitted by with the barrier of guns. I also feel that Nigeria must give them superior power. So that if we are coming to a negotiation table, if mm-hmm. any, they will know that there's a state, it's a state they are contending with. At a point, and one of the problems we have basically in Nigeria is too much English. We speak too much English mm-hmm. in Nigeria, and that's where we are. <laughs> where if a government takes this step of negotiating, it's the same Nigerians that will accuse Buhari government of negotiating with criminals. The Nigerian citizens also are frustrating this government in a way. We criticize blindly. We criticize because of sentiment. We criticize because of just how we feel. So in this most, war, most in this war against objective. insurgency, what are we getting wrong in our criticisms, in your view? Is that we don't give government chance. We don't give them chance to take it like, like, like the Safe Corridor program. It's a wonderful program. And let me, let, 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 me, let, me, let me shock you something. That program was not even initiated by Nigerian government. It's not. Nigerian government is just providing it. But the entire country, uh, Buhari is negotiating with terrorists, Buhari is sponsoring his brothers, but I don't think we need that. Some of these Boko Haram guys were conscripted into it forcefully. Boko Haram ha- will go into a village, kill people, pick on, pick up young boys, and conscript them into Boko Haram. What is wrong if you de-radicalize such minds? What is wrong if you return him back to society? Some of them are not even happy where they are. So you don't, do you think if everybody is Boko Haram that wants to be carrying on, sometimes they sit and regret their actions. So if I rediscover that oh, what I'm doing is wrong and I want to come back to society, what is wrong in government trying to recognize me? But we have politicized this whole thing. So I think Nigeria needs to give government a chance. We need to come to a drawing table where we agree. Okay, government, take your position. You talked about Buhari being a military general. Buhari may have been a retired general, but he's not serving under a military regime. Is under a democratic regime and it must follow all democratic norms. And that's I think what Nigerians want to see is perhaps some of these communities that have been taken over. They won't see the people return. We won't I mean, see farmers back. We won't see farmers farming. And that's why I say we must go back to North. I'll take you guys to notice. Communities have returned. Before 2015, about 14 local government were under the full control of these guys. Full control, I mean to say. But here we are now, uh, the governor of uh, Niger State is saying about five communities have been taken over. Uh, many are, are thinking that there is some complicity between the, the, the armed forces, the politicians. Even in Sokoto State, I mean, they are, the, the terrorists are operating in some parts of Sokoto. They have now become tax collectors also. It boils back to the issue of manpower. Our soldiers mm-hmm. can be everywhere. Sorry. These guys are overstretched. The, how many soldiers do we have in the country? We are policing over 200 million people in Nigeria. They can be everywhere at the same time. But I think gradually, as the government keep improving on these policies and the national defense policies, I think we'll get there. These well, things are not, it's not rocket science. I also got this information that uh, research has shown that about 6.5 million small and light weapons are in circulation. 6.5 million. Mm-hmm. But only 586,000 are in the hands of our security agents. So that's a huge amount of weapons mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. not in our military. Yeah, so you can, you can see how, how, how complicated the, the, the threat is. 
So I think what we need to do as a Nigeria is to cooperate with these guys and give them relevant information. Well, they seem to have a higher caliber of weapons, and they, they also seem to be taking down our weapons and go moving away with them. So it's I don't almost think that's as though. See, remember Boko Haram. The fighter jets was down not long ago. Now an APC is gone, and we just bought new. So some, in some ways, it's almost like we're equipping their arsenal. I don't, I don't seem to agree. You see, that's just propaganda aspect of Boko Haram. These guys have a way of doing propaganda. The number of Boko Haram that are degraded in a day are not carried out in the news. I don't know why. But there's a deliberate conspiracy against our security agencies. There's a deliberate conspiracy against the Nigerian army. And this is what we must do. We have just one country, one army. One country, I mean, one army. If you make your army weak in the side of inter inter international communities, if you make them weak inside of terrorists, it is you that will bear the brunt. It's not the army. They will first protect their families, they will first protect their children. They will make you more vulnerable. So I think we should draw police aside and support these guys. We really need to support them, put our ass together and save this country. All right, let's hear from Nigerians. 090556 in four places, 99. Do you agree with the Minister of Defense that food shortage is a bigger problem than insecurity? Do you agree with Lai Mohammed that we are all we're winning the war? And, you know, is, is, is the government living up to its primary purpose, uh, you know, to protect lives and property of citizens? 090556 in four places, 99090988488848. Let's talk. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Welcome. Thank you very much. My name is Sadiq Kumar. I'm calling from Tisha and T Junction. Welcome, Sadiq. Yeah, actually, I will comment your guest. They have spoken well. And it is very, very unfortunate things that is happening in Nigeria. First of all, when we look at the issue of food security, what is the cause of food scarcity? I think one of the reasons of causing of food scarcity in Nigeria is insecurity, which is very, very unfortunate. At the same time, like Mohammed is saying that they are winning the war. I, I want to send my condolences and my grievances to the major that they lost their life in the field of uh, fighting with the uh, banditry of Boko Haram. It is very, very unfortunate. That say that the number of uh, military that we have is very, very low. We do not have that enough of numbers and even the equipment. It is very, very unfortunate that a general will be attacked by some bandit just to waste his whole career by a, 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 an illiterate bandit that is in the bush. It's very, very unfortunate. So we are calling on the government, even though we have seen that, yes, they are attacking the bodies, very, very recommendable in the other hand, but they have to be using technology. Technology has to be imposed. We have modern equipment. We don't know the level of equipment that the military have by this level. By this level, I think we will, we will value the life of our officers from the low level even to the high level, toughness of the high level. We will buy equipment that are more technologized that they can able to go and fight this uh, uh, banditry. And also, we are using politics in all this thing. This banditry, I think we can end it at once and for all. Not the politician will be saying this thing, this is what, or this is what. This is ending or this is not ending. Everybody in Nigeria is feeling and seeing what is happening. We cannot be losing life. Just Thank like you, Sadiq from TTNT. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Matunga. Good morning and welcome. Thank you. I am Comrade Dadon Antiba Solomon. I'm calling from Anguadu this morning. Let's I talk, Comrade. I find it very difficult uh, uh, to be convinced that this present administration is fighting terrorism. And I can't just be convinced. 
The reason why I say that, sometimes and always, this government always calls the bandits, uh, 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 unknown government, they call them, could you imagine that the National Assembly are appealing, begging the president to declare these people terrorists? How many lives these bandits have killed in this country? I want to say this, when I had my case saying that, uh, that he made a reference with Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka engaged other countries. They cry out for help from another nation. Have we ever had Mr. President Buhari cry out for help that his country is in danger? Even when Nigeria has been killed, healing has been, has been a news in this country, a major news in this country every perfect morning. If Buhari ran in 20 years, you know, that again is saying that they, 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 they don't want to win the, the war for how long? Almost seven years on power. We've been on killing, they have been killing Nigerians. I did only 100 years, you know. I disagree with that. When I want to say that they're imposing a tax on, on that, those communities that have been captured by them, he says that it doesn't mean, even if they impose tax on them, yeah, it doesn't mean that they're captured the community. We are paying tax together because we know some people are in control of our tax and who is the government? They refuse that the, the public are in control of those tax committees and they impose tax on the people. Let us call up and say the truth. You know, Nigeria is a problem today because we are full of tax offenses. We are very greedy. And we don't have good leaders. May God help us. Thank you very much. May God have this in this country. Thank you, Comrade Dadong Antibas. Hello, good morning. Bye, good morning. Welcome, Madam Queen from Abatua. Yes, Madam Queen from Abatua. Well, uh, I agree with you, your guests in the studio. Uh, they have their own opinion. And uh, I also have my own opinion, which I want to share now. I don't agree that Boko Haram has been degraded as the government has said. The, the, the point I'm making now is the killing of this general and the other soldiers. If the Boko Haram has been degraded, why were the general killed and the other soldiers? We have seen their dead bodies and we have not seen any, anybody of the, 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 the terrorists. Is it that it's an attack or what? Even if it's an attack... There's no how that an attack would be carried out. And no and no terrorist was killed until they had to go to do a repressal attack as they claim. If this is the fight against the, the, the insurgency is true, as they claim to be, why is it that no journalist is permitted to go and carry out information from the camp of the Boko Haram or from the camp of the army? We only hear reports from the army. So I beg to disagree with your guest this morning on their own or on his own uh, opinion concerning the, the, the Boko Haram and how the government is fighting against this insecurity. I totally disagree with his opinion because I know I've been hearing him, uh, the, the Melvin agent, I've been hearing him. I know he doesn't support the, the government, but on this one, sir, I disagree with you. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Queen from Abatua. Hello and good morning. Good morning, good Good morning and welcome. Let's get to meet you. Let's talk. Thank you for your time and your contribution. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Welcome. Uh, this is Bobby from Terminus. Bobby from Terminus, let's talk. Uh, so, uh, Zoe, uh, 
I don't seem to agree with Mr. Mervin. You know, we've been supporting our armies. There's no fear that we don't support that the citizen. Will it tell the ordinary man that on the street that we are winning the war? Will it tell the common man on the street that Niger State, what happened in Niger State that we are winning the war? Malami came out to say that there are people that are sponsoring these people. Have we named the people? Have he named them? And other countries like uh, EAU have named some of the people. But we've not, them, we've not named them. So there are things that are happening that some of us don't know. That they are hiding. Oh, food security. How much is food now? And you're telling me that uh, during June that the thing is coming down. The foods are going up. People are not farming. So I don't know where we will say that we tell the common man on the street. You can't travel from here just to Abuja. How many are you want to travel? You are scared. But during the previous regime, you travel and move at, at will. But now you are telling me we are winning the war? I don't know. I don't know. Is this what we tell the common man? Please, I don't know. They should name those people that they say they are sponsoring the terrorists. That is why you see the U.S. can come out and say that government are doing this one. So let's open up and tell ourselves the truth. And let's do Thank the you, Mr. Bobby from Terminus. Well, uh, talking about prosecution uh, and being uh, accountability, you know, of the sponsors of terrorism or actors, you know, that are involved, you know, are, are we now desensitized? Because uh, it's, it's been more than 10 years. Uh, some are asking now, is that arm of government, the judiciary, is it failing us? Because we're not seeing those prosecutions happen. And what would that mean for us to see a former Boko Haram member who has killed people who was murdered who was maimed actually being prosecuted i think that sense of justice will probably you know do something in the minds of the people mr caesar yes uh you see uh first of all before i respond to this question i want to just uh, make observations yes the mm. the commentators uh, uh have responded well they've aired their minds and other things but you see you you have to look at these things uh critically and that is why that is why and professional that is why earlier on and that is why again if if only the government you see the government whether they like it or not they can't avoid criticism unfortunately i feel it for them so even when they are doing the right thing the common man like they've said they are they are right the common man on the I mean, streets like may not know we hear that inflation has gone down but you go to yes, the market everything yes. is the same so the government have not put mechanisms yeah so there are no mechanisms in place the government are not being proactive yes. enough to let the common man know that this is what yeah. we are doing you know you, you they, they elected you there they voted you so you are accountable that accountability you don't own yourself you didn't bring it because we're in a democratic dispensation. It's not a military regime where you came to power by force or by you rule by decree. I so, mean, I wonder how so other you, countries yes. are actually looking at us now. They've given us names of these yes. sponsors. We're still looking at it. So, and that brings me back to the issue of our judicial system. Truly, truly, our justice system is very poor. Now, when you look at even the issues at hand now, you, 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 unfortunately, I may not have the statistics now, but when you look at the statistics, you know, a, general, a rough statistics when you ask or you do your research, and you see the statistics of cases that are on queue, uh, on cases that are yet, and you begin to wonder, don't we have the manpower to pray? We have the manpower. Now, go to our prisons now. Go to our prisons. Our prisons are so occupied. Some people have died. Some people are sick. Some people are tattered. 
not nobody to speak for them and then again some people will be arrested in the course of uh, perpetrating these acts and after some months and that is why some governors Ew. yeah they are being freed and you don't know how and where so it's you see now you now see that the country that the justice system is just so poor and i don't know honestly i can't explain to you maybe our legal experts will be in a position mm. to, to 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 explain that and i i think this program needs to be extended beyond today mm. to look at that judicial aspect or the justice criminal justice system in nigeria is extremely weak and poor now yeah. again finally okay. sorry mm. finally again you see what is happening in nigeria like mr melvin said earlier and i want to also enlighten our 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 Listener. listeners that you see what is happening in the country like we've already said whether we like it or not is manpower and the moment these people are being driven out of a particular environment they, you see they always walk around the club the next thing they think of is okay where is where can we get an ungoverned space let's go and lay our eggs there and begin to hatch and begin to expand Not long ago we got intelligence yes. that's uh, about uh, how many number of iswap were moving to the northwest what was done about you it know? So, so these are the so things. I don't think it's because we don't get intelligence reports. I'm not sure what we do. Yes, after we but get the problem the is before you mobilize a manpower to go and counter those things. Already, you see, out of the 36 states of the federation that we have, including FCT, close to 29 or 30 states, we have military operations in different types of operations. 30 states so in Nigeria. They are overstretched. 32 now. 32. Yes. Mm. Everywhere military operations. So where do you begin to withdraw such military to go and counter? And Nigeria is then very large. When are we large. going to agree that we need help? And we have the, 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 the ungoverned spaces are much. He talked about Sambisa alone. Sambisa is almost the, the size of Belgium. Have of Belgium. Yeah, no, yes. of, of, of Many countries have offered to come in to give us help. We say, no, we do not need external help. No, no, no. no. You see, no. government won't just jump into yeah. any, any kind of help. It's also a security threat. So government needs to be deliberate about how who will help them and how they recruit more them. people. So what train them at this I'm rate. Who would want to be recruited? Because you are feeling like if I get no, no, recruited, no, no, we don't have the weapons. We don't have the Today you get you get them. Two million young men today are ready to do the army job. They are ready. So what, that's why we are being insisting and equip them. Increase defense training budgets. Let me let me answer the question by last call. I appreciate their concerns. I'm glad one of these callers said, I don't use to support government. That's not true. I've been very critical about government where they fail. And if they fail today, I will still tell them they failed. But we have to be realistic because I'm speaking from point of fact. I'm not saying yes. I'm not speaking from emotions. I'm not speaking from what people think. I'm speaking from what I saw, what I know, and where I have been. When last did you hear bombing just town? We have to be very fair. When last did you hear just in bombing Kamna town? When last did you hear any explosion in church? When last did you hear Boko Haram move outside Medugri? Remember, these guys were in more than five, ten states in Nigeria before now. But they have been pushed to Northeast, pushed to Medugri. If I push out of Medugri to the fringes of Lichard Basins. So I think we are making some progress. We must, have, we must admit these facts. It's not enough to always criticize our government. Yes, there are lapses, and these lapses all bow down to manpower. manpower. Okay, let's let's talk about how um, uh, our state of mind currently is of despondency when it comes to insurgency and insecurity. A lot of Nigerians have given up. We just try, uh, we just pray and hope that wh while you're on the highway, nothing happens to you, basically. Mm. But how can the Nigerian citizen be involved in this war, Mr. Dean? Oh, okay. Uh, I think when you look at because if you look at information whistleblowers you go yeah. give information before you know your life it's, is at yeah, risk yeah. your family is threatened that's why the the component of community policing 
it's uh, critical in also addressing this problem. Uh, when you look at uh, a country like I was part of a study around the Horn of Africa, where you know Al Shabaab was a threat, not only to Somalia, Uganda, Kenya, Kenya. and Tanzania. Mm. So, but you you know the 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 EAC, the East African you know community, they had to come up with a strong community policing model, the Yumbakumi model where it is very strong, where, you know, you tend to, everybody, they have, every community have cells where they meet, they know each community, they have a Baluzi, a Baluzi like a leader who coordinates uh, the activities of their community. Any stranger you see in that place, they know. They have a way of, you know, uh, anticipating threats, reporting threats, and they have a way of, you know, containing this problem. Uh, it has worked in Tanzania. It has worked effectively in Uganda. Forget the despotic nature of President Yoweri Museveni. It has worked. It has also worked in Kenya because when you look at uh, initially the border between Somalia and Kenya, the Mogadishu route, where Al Shabaab was basically controlling the charcoal market there. But due to this, you know, community policing and uh, engaging with the KDF forces, they've been able to dismantle, you know, the activities of Al Shabaab in controlling that, you know, charcoal business, which is big business. So, how much are we connected in with our, our West African uh, sisters, sister states that's, in this battle? That's 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 because another. Chad seems to be doing what it's doing. Mali is doing what it's doing. Niger is doing what it's doing. Here yeah, we are doing what we're doing. Yeah, that's actually, you see, when you look at even the multinational within the multinational joint task force, you know, uh, some within their own sectors, they, some of them tend to accuse each other of, you know, mm. committing certain acts that is actually not supporting the late president, De Debbie, of Chad, threatening at some point to, you know, withdraw from the multinational joint task force because of non-commitments of other member states. Mm. So there should be, you know, honest conversation and there should be real concerted efforts by, you know, members of this union to be able to actually uh, ensure that the fight against terrorism and insurgency is actually taken to these All people. All right, Mr. Caesar, your last words. Let me, let me support what uh, uh, said. But you see, they said charity begins at home. Yeah. For me, this model, let's start it from Nigeria. And honestly, that is where I blame the northern governors. Look at what the southwest governors have done. Look at how the southern governors mm -hmm. look at the proactive steps they are so taking. In some way, but you see the, not, the, the northern governors. Yes. Some part, some part yes. of the country feel like truly, truly. this problem is in your home. So the, the northern governors need to be proactive and set up a framework, a collective framework across the states that they will monitor each other border to border. Mm. To, just like he said, let's not even go to West Africa or Yehono. Yes, let's copy that model, but let's localize it within our own context. If the northern governors can start that, I bet you, you know, because we have to fortify our house self mm. uh, first. Sorry, Mr. Molimudin, yes. what did you say that particular um, concept N is called? Nyumbakumi Security Initiative. Yes. Mm. And it is just like know your neighbor kind of in, 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 So let the northern governors start something from there. All right. And mm. the last words, Ambassador Melvin Eje. Without regret, I will tell Nigerians that we are winning the war and there's a need to pray for our armed forces. There's a need to support them, to care for them and also wish them well because it's not, it's actually demoralizing for people you are dying for, people you stay under the sun for, people you don't sleep to keep them safe not to appreciate you. It's actually demoralizing. But do you Nigeria. think Nigerians really do not appreciate the armed no, forces? No, we don't. 
We really don't. Most why why do you don't. say that? I don't know. Just share sentiment. They attach our armed forces to political parties. Once a president is is, is, in the, is ruling and is not from their political party, they just feel written about that government is bad. No. We have one army. They are not political. One army, one country. And it's need to separate them from politics. Hmm. All right, let's hear from our feedback handle on Facebook. Nampon is saying, I agree with the Minister of Defense because what really brought about this insecurity and banditry is all about hunger. Until that food insecurity is tackled, Nigeria may have no peace. Albert Akaya is saying, I agree totally with the Minister of Defense. Food insecurity is the mother of all other forms of insecurity and it's more dangerous than any other form of insecurity that one can think of. The defense of our country should first of all start with our stomach infrastructure because it will go a long way to solve half of our security challenge. Philip Man- Doing says the government must tell its citizens the truth. All the equipments they are buying, you could still see bandits using them, similar weapons. Where are those sponsors of Boko Haram the government was talking about? What is the source of the sophisticated weapons the bandits are using? How do the mercenaries get access into the country? I'm optimistic. Insecurity in Nigeria is some is someone some people's lucrative business. That is why banditry continues to persist. The entire con- uh, security system is politicized, and anybody that says the military is winning the war. On banditry is a pathological liar. Food security, how can the government crash the prices of food when they couldn't subsidize the price of fertilizer in the last farming season? Bandits are destroying farmlands and in furtherance, farmers have stopped going to the farm. The Nigerian government should stop deceiving Nigerians and face reality. Shamsuddin says federal government are just wasting money on defense without yielding any results. The earlier government provide jobs to unemployed youths, the better night for Nigeria. Lasso Solomon is saying as far as this regime is concerned, food prices will keep increasing daily. In fact, a bag of pure water is now 200 naira. Eric Nyam is saying the reason why the insecurity has been lingering is because there are areas where it's been handled with kids' gloves and some people are romancing with terrorists. Unlike countries which defeated terrorism, they have total hatred for terrorism. Alright, I'm afraid this is all we can take on the program today. I want to say a big thank you uh, to you gentlemen for taking your time to be on the program let's talk uh with me this morning uh thank you to you ambassador melvin edge your thank security you, expert uh thank you to you caesar pai and also Mr. Somali mudin uh keep listening to j101.9 fm news top of the hour comes up next and after that the midday show with ogidigo have yourself a wonderful tuesday and remember covid19 is real your face mask your hand sanitizer and some space good morning Thank you for listening to JFM Podcasts.